Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Isn't God good? Let me try to say that again. You missed that. Isn't God good? Yes, He is. Amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. I don't know if you've ever had one of these nights. Pam and I had one Friday night. Just a lazy, lazy night. You ever had one of those? It's been a long time since we'd had one of those. Uh, the last few weeks, I think I've been home one night uh, during the week. This week, been busy. Had a late night. Didn't even see them before they went to bed and was up and gone uh, before Drew got out of bed the next morning for meetings. Bowling Green, uh, just just been crazy. So so Friday night we Drew was at work, and so we took Drew to work and said, "Let's just go to dinner." So we went to one of our favorite restaurants and had early dinner before anybody else was going to be there. And we kind of got in, got got what we wanted, and ate, and uh, got home. And I said, "Do you have anything on your on your plate tonight?" No. Let's just do nothing. And so that's what we did. In fact, we, we didn't do, I mean, we were lazy. This is how lazy we were. You, you, do you have one of those couches that is just comfortable? It's not one that you let people see because they're typically sagging. They're typically been worn out. Well, that couch stays in the basement where Drew kind of runs. And we went downstairs to watch just our favorite shows. And we... We got on that couch. Now, that couch has been around in our family for about 20-some-odd years. I mean, it's one of those good sleeping couches on, on Sunday afternoons when nobody, when you want to wake up to the world, you crawl into that thing, and you almost fall into it and sink. We laid down on that, or we sat down on that couch, snuggled up, and I don't know where the time went, but we didn't do a thing. Sat there with the lights off and watched TV and were just lazy. You know, every now and then, you just need a lazy, lazy moment, don't you? Yes. I mean, I say this all the time, and I hope you understand. We run at a pace that God never intended for us to run. And so, because we do that, we go so fast, we go so hard, that our bodies don't always recoup. And so, we did that the other night. And maybe you've been lazy. Maybe it's a lazy for you. A lazy vacation is, is going someplace and not doing anything. You know, maybe just a lazy vacation for you is is going to the beach. Now, that's, that's kind of our vacation. We like that. I'm not into vacations that wear me out that I have to come back to rest. And so that's, that's our vacation. But maybe you've been lazy with reading a book or maybe, maybe you get lazy with cleaning a house. My cousin used to say, dust only gets so thick. I think she's learned that that's not quite true. But, you know, you can be lazy in cleaning your house. You can be lazy in doing all sorts of things. But here's the thing. We can't be lazy when it comes to spiritual matters. Because when we get lazy when it comes to spiritual matters, we're in trouble. This morning as we look at our open heart series, as we close this out, open heart requires guarding because it, we can never let our guard down spiritually or the moment we do, we begin to drift, we begin to slide, we begin to go downhill. And when that happens, if we're not careful, we'll get into a spiral that we begin to believe that there is no such thing as God. Or God must not love me because all this stuff is happening. And that's a difficult place to be. 
But let's make no mistake. We are in a spiritual battle. Amen? We have an adversary. Let me share a couple of Bible verses that you, you'll see on the screen that, that remind us that we are faced with an adversary. Revelations 12, 9 says, So the, the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown to earth, and he and his angels with him. One of our Baptist colleges has a professor who used to be one of our Baptist colleges, and I say used to because that's one of the reasons why, has a professor who said in religious departments said there's no such thing as the devil. Listen, if you live in that world, listen, you, you're in trouble. Let me, I got some oceanfront property to sell you here in Glasgow. I mean, that's just, that's just how that goes. Uh, First Peter tells us this. Uh, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is what? Prowling around like a, what? Roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. So there's, there's truth to that. Every, everything we do, every day, we've got this adversary out to, to try to, to steal us. And then, if you've been with us on, on Wednesday nights, we're in Ephesians 6. We're looking at, at the, uh, the armor of God. And it says, uh, 6.11 tells us this, put on the full armor of God so that you can what? Stand against the schemes of the devil. Stand against. So here's the thing. We have to understand that there is one who's trying to see us stumble and fall. And so we cannot let our guard down. We can't for a moment. I mean, you ask people who've been in an accident well, what happened? Well, I just turned my head for a second. I, I took my eyes off the road for a second, and all of a sudden they found themselves in a situation they never de desired to be. The same is true for you and I. If we take our eyes off God, if we become lazy, we have this one who's trying to, to cause us not to have the life God desires. But good news is God loves us and desires for us to have the life lived in him. So if you have your Bibles and you're at Proverbs 4, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's word? Beginning in verse 20, it says, My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and health to the one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonesty, and don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward, fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right. Or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. You may be seated. Proverbs 4 is really, it's a whole chapter of life lessons. Uh, people think that maybe, maybe Proverbs 4 is about the do's and don'ts. And it's really, it's really not about the don'ts. Although don'ts have their place in scripture and in our life to understand. But 
Proverbs chapter 4 is all about giving people the life in Christ, in God that we're desired to have. The father writes to the son and is wanting to encourage him that it is in God that his life will be healthy, his life will be holy, his life will be abundant. In fact, Jesus tells us in John 10, 10, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. The thing is, that's what God wants. That's what Christ came to do for your life, for my life. He came to give it more abundantly. So here's the big idea this morning. I want you to catch it. It's there in your notes or you can see it on the screen. Believers are constantly being encouraged to detour from God's plan. Therefore, they must guard themselves against falling into temptation. So let me give you four things and a couple th things that we need to take away. First one is you got to fix on, f be fixed on godly teaching. Fixed on godly teaching. We have to understand we need to have a healthy diet. And that healthy diet has to come from God's word. L look again with me at the text in verse 21. It says, do, do not lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart. Don't lose sight. Listen, it's, it's beautiful weather outside. Today's a little chilly, but one of the things I've noticed the last few weeks is we begin to see more and more people exercising on South Green Street. Yeah, They're they walking, running, they're taking their pets for a walk. People are out getting their, their exercise, and it's wonderful. But I just wonder, how much are we worried about our spiritual health? Listen, we need to take care of our physical body, amen? I mean, it's the only one God gave us. It's, you know, I lived for a number of years trying to say, uh, live, uh, you know, die young, make a pretty corpse, and that just didn't work. So he's, now it's got to take care of this thing. My wife said I'm not young and I'm not pretty, so, you know, you have to work at the thing. But we need to physically take care of ourselves, but we also have to spiritually take care of ourselves. And I just wonder, for those people who, who exercise and who are eat right and who are paying attention, are you also spiritually working on your spiritual life? Because both are needed. Both are required in order for us to have our, to have our fix on godly teaching. Listen, it's, it's no good if, if the only teaching you get, the only Bible reading you get is when you come to church on Sunday morning. That's like exercising and only doing one sit-up a day. Half of the morning and the other half when you lay down at night. That's really not exercise. And, and coming to church just for that, that teaching, while it is better than nothing, it's still not what God desires for you to have. So this father says to his son, don't lose sight. Keep it in front of you. Watch, pay attention. Look for it. There's a diligence about how we're to do this. It's not happenstance. It's not if I've got time. It's make sure you're paying attention. Look at verse 25. Verse 25 tells us in this text, let your eyes what? Look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Don't get, don't get 
thrown off by everything else. Don't look to the right, to the left. Look right where you need to look. How's your diet going, spiritually speaking? How, how is it when, when it comes to when it comes to things, when, when, when somebody comes to my office and says, I'm just struggling, God, I can't hear God, We're, we've got this going on, all this going on, one of my normal questions is, so tell me what God's doing or teaching you in your quiet time. And most of the time they go, well, I haven't had one. So how do you expect God to speak and do if you're not listening and, and fixing your attention there? You, ca- you catch the point? If we're going to guard our heart, it's got to be fixed in the right sp- space. Second thing is, stay spiritually on the right path. You've got to stay spiritually on the right path. We live in a culture that wants to get off the path. I mean, we, we live in a culture that is constantly going, let's try this, let's do this. Hey, this is something new. Why don't we do this? And even inside the church, the church is beginning, and as a broader scope as the church is beginning to go, well, I don't know if I believe that. Let's go down this. What, how do we think about this? But Proverbs, 24, or Proverbs 4, 26 and 27 tells us this. We see this in the text. What? Carefully consider the what? The path for your feet. And all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the what? Right or left. But keep your feet going in the right way. Listen, when we find ourselves in the church wrestling, we wrestle, we wrestle with things and sometimes we, we make matters worse. So when you think about the right or the left, what's happened is over time the church has added to what God's word says. I had a conversation with someone this week and I was talking about the church and, and the conversation went to how the church hurt this person and this person's no longer involved in the church. And the situation in which they did was wrong. They should, the church should have never made that statement or made that decision, but the church did. And because the church did, somebody got their feelings hurt. All because they went to the right. They were adding to scripture what scripture never said. When the church adds to scripture, we're just like the Pharisees. When we make up rules, when we say things that, that are not right, and when we say, oh, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, then we're just adding to scripture. Let me give you a great example. Now this, I tried this morning to get Greg to sing this song with, with Andy and Stephen. I thought it'd be great for them to sing this. Come to find out Greg's not cultured enough to know the song. I'll have to work on culturing the staff. Um, I've been singing it, but I will not sing it to you uh, because it's on videotape. And so I'll just read the lyrics to you. But here's what makes this funny. I'll take, you'll catch the song title in just a second. Here's what makes this funny. It's because at some point in, in history, this is true. Uh, this song is now used just for, for fun, but at, at some point this song was true for some people. In fact, I know people who believe this song. So here, here's, here's the lyrics, and I'm not singing them. No. A rich young ruler came one day to ask about the narrow way, but his hair was too long, and he couldn't be saved. The preacher looked at him through tears and said, Your problem's on your ears. 
If your hair's too long, there's sin in your heart. If your hair's too long, there's sin in your heart. That's about as much as you're going to get. <laughs> get it cut today and make a new start. You'll live a life of fear and dread with that tangled mess upon your head. If your hair's too long, there's sin in your heart. Uh, and I just don't understand why Greg didn't know that song. I just thought surely he would know that, but he's not cultured enough to know that. What makes that song funny? And don't raise your hand. But there are people who in years past have said, if you got long hair, you can't go to church, you're not saved. Right, Mike? I never had that problem. Um, just, just saying. But, but when the church does things like that, no wonder people won't love us. No wonder people don't want to come. That's just adding to. Now then, the, the text tells us, don't go to the left. So the left is, well, you know what? I read that I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but I don't really believe that. <laughs> if God knew my neighbor, he wouldn't love him either. Problem is, God knows your neighbor and created your neighbor, formed your neighbor. But when we begin to take things out of Scripture, like the professor who said, there's no such thing as a Satan or the devil. Well, how do you, how do you find that in Scripture? And churches all across, all across America, around the world, are wrestling with this right now when it comes to certain situations. What is a marriage? When does life begin what is truth? Anytime we move from that, we're getting off the path. And here's the thing. God gave us a roadmap, gave us a path. It's his word. He gave us directions. He gave us insights. He's told us how to live our life. All we have to do is be obedient. It's not our job to say, well, I agree or disagree. It's our job to be obedient and faithful to what he's taught. But in order for that to happen, you've got to stay on the path. Not going right or left, because when we get off that path, we're on our own. We're on our own, walking in new territory that we've never been before. And that territory will take us in places we don't want to go. So the third thing we see in this text is we've got to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. The father writing to his son is strongly encouraging to, to put his eyes in the right place, stay on the right path, but also make sure that you speak. Don't let, it, don't let any foolish talk, as Paul would say in Ephesians, come out of your mouth. In other words, no matter how difficult life gets, love has to be our answer. No matter how much we, we disagree with somebody, love has to be the dominant theme in our disagreement. Love must win. Look with me at the text there, and he tells us in verse 24, don't let your mouth speak dishonestly. Don't let your lip talk, lips talk deceivably. What's the words that come out of your mouth? Jesus tells us it's about the heart. 
See, we talk about the heart today differently than what the scripture talks about heart. For, for us, the heart is the seat of emotion. And that's why we, we sing songs about our hearts. Sing songs about love. It's about emotion. It's about those types of things. But in the biblical day, that was their bowels. Like you really want to know that, but that's, that's where it was. So go home, I won't do this, I won't put you through this, but take all your love songs that talk about heart and put bowels in there. See how that works for you. You know, sing achy breaky. Anyways, you, you got the picture. You don't need any more. But in scripture, when they talked about the heart, it was, it was about the mind thinking and the knowledge. And so in Luke chapter 6, we read these words where, where Jesus says a good person produces good out of the, the good stored up in his what, church? Heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his what? For out of the mouth, for out of his mouth speaks from an overflow of his heart. So let me ask you, what does your heart say? I mean, think about it. What is your heart saying? We get into conversations about politics. How does your, what are the words that say? When you talk about your neighbor that, that you have a problem with, what does your heart say? You talk about your employer, when you talk about your church, when you talk about your family. Listen, you can tell a lot about a person if you'll just stop and listen to them long enough. If you'll be still, you'll hear what's truly in their heart. I mean, try this this week. Go around having conversations, but make sure you do a lot of listening. Listen to what a person says and see, see what they tell you. They'll tell you a lot of things. Sometimes, some of it's not worth listening to. But the conversation can have lots of various tones. You can hear the worry that's all that's on their mind is they worry about tomorrow. They worry about today. They worry about whether it's going to sun. The sun is going to come out, whether the rain is going to come, whether, whether they'll have the TV show on. If you listen long enough, you'll know that what's in their heart is worry. And you can listen to somebody long enough and you can hear agitation in their voice. Everything's wrong. Everything's frustrating. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. The nightly news only says the negative things. And I can't get this fixed. The, the, the electrician, the plumber's not getting here until tomorrow. The heat, the air's out. Everything is agitated. What's that tell you about the person's heart? What's it tell you about your heart? How much love is in the conversation that you have? Jesus is the prime example. He is our only example. He is our only hope. And when you see him on the cross being crucified, beaten, ready for death, he doesn't look down and say, Father, strike them all dead. He looks down and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they've done. Love. 
Oh, but I'm not Jesus. No, but you're to be imitators of Christ. You've been given a new heart if you're in Christ. The old has passed away. Speak truth and love. The last thing we see in this is grounded in doctrine. Grounded in doctrine. Look there with me at verses uh, 23, uh, 21 and 23. 21 says, don't lose sight of them. And, and the idea is the lose sight is the, the teachings. Keep them within your heart. Verse 23, guard them. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. If you don't have the right teaching, you're off on the wrong foot. And so you have to gain control and understanding what right teaching is. And here's what I can tell you. If anybody preaches anything other than what God's word says, they're in the wrong. Plain and simple. If anybody says that there's a, there was a mistake or scripture is wrong, they're not worth following. My grandfather, um, Carter, lost respect for a pastor one time. The pastor got up in the pulpit and said God lied to him. My grandfather called me and told me, I said, it's time to find a new pastor or a new church. You take the pick. Because here's what I know about God. God's word is true and God speaks truth. He didn't lie. Now, did he misunderstand him? That's fine. But it's his fault, not God's. You got to be grounded in and know what the Bible teaches. If you don't, every wave that comes along can take you to and from, can move you further or closer to Scripture or away from God, I mean. So what's our takeaways today? Let me give you three takeaways. The first one is you got to understand that, that or realize that we are in a spiritual battle. Plain and simple. You're in a spiritual battle. I'm in a spiritual battle. Every day, God is trying to, to get us to detour from where, or Satan is trying to get us to detour from where God has us. Plain and simple. And here's the thing. I used to say this a lot. I haven't said a lot lately. If, God's, if Satan's not in your life every day, you need to reevaluate your relationship with the Lord. Because here's the thing I know. Satan doesn't mess with who he has. He messes with who he doesn't have. Doesn't has. Uh, my English is, I'll get corrected later. Satan only messes with those he doesn't have. And so, if you're not being tempted, if you're not being, if you don't sense Satan trying to push you away from where you're supposed to be, it's not that you're too spiritual, you're already there. And you need to realize we're in a spiritual battle, and it's a battle that is of utmost importance. The second thing is, you can't win the battle on your own. We can't win this battle on our own. I, I can't be good enough. I, I cannot win the battle. It is only through Christ. And, and listen, here's how the battle is. If it was left to me to win the battle, I would have lost a long time ago. Because without Christ, I'm a completely different person. Without Christ, I'm a person who is self-centered. I'm a person who wants what he wants. I'm a person who says, give me, give me, give me, and not let me give. Without Christ, I don't know where I'd be. 
So I can't do it on my own because if I do it on my own, I'm never going to, to achieve it. Because my self-centered nature, which by the way, all of us have, takes over. Our self-centeredness takes over and says, I want what I want. My self-centeredness walks into the church and says, you're sitting in my pew, get up. My self-centeredness walks into the restaurant and says, give me what I want. You're, it's late. I want a discount. My self-centeredness doesn't allow me to be patient. Doesn't allow me to be kind. And you go, oh, preacher, I know better than that. No, you really don't know me if you think. And a lot of us are that way. You may not, you may have the patience of Job before Christ, but that doesn't mean you're saved. It is only through Christ you can win that battle, which is the third thing. The battle is won through Christ. The battle is won through Christ. Jesus came to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins. But here's the thing. He didn't just die just so that our sins would be forgiven. He died so that we would be transformed. That we would come into the likeness of him. That we would recognize who he is. And we would live a holy pleasing life worshiping him as Paul says in Romans 12 so what does that look like well it looks simply like this if you're right handed would you just stare at your right hand for a second if you're left handed look at your left hand it's your dominant hand as you look at that hand this morning here's what I want you to understand Christ died for you to use that hand for his glory. That you, would, that you would do something with that hand for his glory. Not just that your sins were forgiven, but that you would, would come to a place and you would, would recognize that he needs you. That he's left the gospel to men and women like you and I to go and proclaim. And we do that through our actions. We do that through the way we live. So when you look at that hand, don't look at a hand and all the scars on it, if you're looking at a hand like mine, but look at a hand and recognize it's been redeemed, set free, to be used by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. To help change the world. To help the world know God loves them. The only way you can do that is by guarding your heart. Because if you don't guard your heart, we go down the path. And as we go down that path, we, we begin to lose, lose control. We begin to get out of whack. We begin to, to struggle. 
This morning, let me ask you this question. If you're here and you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you, you don't understand the path. And you don't understand the direction. You don't understand fixing your eyes upon Jesus. But here's what I want you to know. Today, you can begin that process. But it's by admitting you are a sinner, believing in your heart that Christ came Went to a cross for your sins to redeem you and by committing your life to him. It's by recognizing that, that God so loved the world, that includes you, that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever, you are a whosoever, believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're this, here this morning and you want to confess Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, here's, here's the instructions I want to give you this morning. You can do one of three things today. In the pew in front of you is a card that says, go ahead and li we're listening. You can write your name on it and check mark the box that says, I want to receive Christ. And, and put your name and a phone number and we'll, we'll, we'll call you and talk to you. Just a moment as our hymn of invitation is given, you can come and speak to me here at this altar. Or after the service, if you want Mike Thomason will be right out here in the hallway. He'll be glad to talk to you. Share with you how to come to know Christ. Maybe there's another decision on your heart. Maybe today you're here and you can, you've confessed Christ and you know that Christ died for your sins and you know that, that you're secure in your eternity, but what you, what you realize today is you've been losing ground your eyes have been focused on all sorts of things, from family to business to education to, to whatever, living the American dream. And today you just want to, to stop and say, Lord, I'm, I'm just sorry. Maybe, maybe you want to come to the altar, pray and kneel at this altar during our hymn of invitation come and I'll pray with you. Others will pray with you. Whatever the case may be, would you respond to God? If you're watching us by television or listening to us through, through one of our uh, online streaming, you can call us at any time, 270-681-2363. 270-681-2363, and one of our staff will get back with you. Listen, it's important. It's the most important thing we can do is to guard our heart because we have an adversary trying to throw us off. And so today, if you've been thrown off, good news. God's just waiting for you to come back. He's waiting for you to repent and return. He's like the father and the prodigal son sitting and waiting. All's, he knows you need to return and he's waiting for you to say, I'm coming. Would you do that this morning? Would you stand with me?